Welcome to The Female Influencer. I'm Lacey Shane. I'm visiting with Karen Siebert today, who is a female influencer in her own right. She is someone that has had a tremendous impact on my life with her influence. And I guess the other thing I can tell you about her right now is that her current position is with Gallagher Bassett. She's in the C-suite. And Karen wields massive influence, and that's what I want to talk to her about today because I think she has a lot of wisdom to impart to our audience, our females, about influence. So welcome, Karen, and if you would start by just telling us a little bit about your career path. Well, thanks for having me, Lacey. I am happy to be here today and to meet all of your listeners in a virtual way. I will say that um, I'm not quite C-suite yet, but I am on the leadership team for Gallagher Bassett's carrier practice. So I'll call that a C-suite job because it's carrier practice, so it starts with a C. But uh, <laughs> in any event, we continue to grow and expand and, and change things. So every day is a little bit different in the world of uh, Gallagher Bassett. And that's one of the things that excites me about, about being here and being part of this uh, overall leadership team. You know, as a kid growing up in Brooklyn, I wanted to be a veterinarian. And after the third time of passing out in lab class, uh, the teacher eventually explained to my mother that a career in medicine or veterinarian or nurse or anything was not in the cards. So I uh, I learned how to pivot, I guess, when I was back 14 and 15 years old, Lacey, I tell you. Um, but I always wanted to help people. I wanted to help animals at that point. So um, I, I changed. I became a communications and political science major. And I thought that I would uh, help with government affairs and, and communications and politics. And I was working for this local assemblyman. And volunteering, you know, during the summer, dealing with garbage can complaints and noise complaints and, you know, the street sweepers start too early in the morning. And I'm like, okay, this is not the path for me. And I quit. <laughs> right? So I quit. Mm -hmm. That assemblyman is now Chuck Schumer, who is like one of the top ranking Democrats in, in the Congress. So who knew? Who knew? But wow. I, I, I yeah, exactly. I, and I think my point is that, you know, when you set out on your quote-unquote career path, it can change along the way. And so I did become a lawyer. I did legislative lobbying at a major law firm for different insurance companies. One of those insurance companies, I ended up going to work for them. I eventually became a general counsel. Uh, our company got purchased by General Electric. GE asked if I would take um, classes to be a green belt or a black belt and quality control and Six Sigma and all the process improvements. I said, okay, I took a chance. I did that. That led to a promotion and become a chief claim officer for the company. And then after 9-11, I relocated again. I took another chance. And um, so I've lived in Chicago, I've lived in Kansas, I've lived in Seattle. And then um, when I left Seattle is when I came to California to become a CEO of a company. And it was like, well, have you ever been a CEO before? And it kind of reminded me of 
I don't know if the listeners remember their days being in high school and getting their first job, but you're on the interview and they ask you about your experience and you're like, I can't get experience till I have experience. So I couldn't be a CEO if I've never been a CEO. I mean, I don't care what level it's at. So um, I said, look, I've never run a company. I've run huge departments. I've run huge teams. I am a good leader. I'm a good technician, and I think I can, you know, be the CEO of this company. And so at that point, I was already realizing that I had to use influence to get that job because it wasn't going to be based on a resume showing I'd ever been a CEO before. And, um, you know, eventually they hired me. I was at the company for 10 years. We doubled the size of the organization, and we'll talk about that in a second. But then um, when, I, when I left there, we triggered the succession plan and, and some of the great people who worked with me and for me um, got leadership roles. And um, I've been having a blast at, at Gallagher Bassett in a very different type of role, but it's all about influence. And we'll, we'll talk about that as well. Absolutely. So would you say that that, that experience becoming the CEO of that company, was that the first point at which you realized influence was really integral to your success? I think there's two elements. I think it was critical in terms of persuading four people who I'd never met before that they should take a risk and bring me on board. But then it was also critical coming in as an outsider to a company that was employee-owned who had people there who were long-term employees and thought they would be the next CEO. And here I am being brought in from the outside as the CEO. So now I've got to earn my stripes all over again. And so at that point, I realized it's not a matter of making them like me. It's a matter of earning their trust and earning their respect. Sure, I have the title, but, you know, they could have uh, all walked out. They could have all changed careers. And for, for, for some they did, but for many they stayed on board. They became change agents. They, we all worked together to make the company better and to turn it around. And eventually it went from being you know, about a 15 to $18 million enterprise to being a $38 million enterprise. So that wow. was um, definitely, definitely influence. And I think the other part is that I had used influence as an attorney to try to persuade, um, you know, resolution. When I was a chief claim officer, I needed to use influence in mediations and with my teams of claim professionals and then being on the leadership team for the company. So you realize that having to have influence because of your technical expertise, but also because of your understanding of the dynamics of the group is important. And, you know, in GE, they talk about you can be a leader by commanding or you can be, you know, a leader who uses consensus and consultation. And so command is always is always an option if you need to, but I certainly prefer consensus and consulting. And that is part of building influence and being an influencer. Absolutely. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because even though that has a direct correlation to building influence with your staff, it really is 
the same type of mindset in building influence with anybody because you're engaging what their needs are in the process or what their thoughts are in the process. So that's, that's great. What were the first steps you took to start building that rapport, that influence with the staff there? Well, I think that one of the keys is being successful by helping others and being recognized as a success when those around you are more successful. And I'm dating myself. I remember the old Germac commercial where they tell a friend who tells two friends who tell four friends, et cetera, et cetera. And that's how, you know, the Germac shampoo commercial got everybody buying their shampoo. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was the same kind of thing, right? You know, I mean, you have 350 people. Can you really connect with every single one of them in 12 different offices around the country? Or do you focus on, you know, 10 to 12 people who then tell 10 to 12 people, who then tell 10 to 12 people. And then when you do show up in Atlanta or Texas or wherever it is you go to next, you've already got a reputation, hopefully a positive reputation, um, so mm-hmm. that then you step in and you, you work with the team, you show them you know, that you're real, you show them that you're genuine, and you work together and they go, oh, okay, what I heard about this person is true. And then they continue that going forward. And, and I talked earlier about Gallagher Bassett. You know, we're 3,000 people, 4,000 people, 5,000 people, and, I, and I'm throwing those numbers out there because we are constantly growing in North America. Then we, you know, have London. Then we have United, uh, the um, Australia, New Zealand. We're now opening in Singapore. And I'm on the company's North American Equity, Inclusion, and Diversity Steering Committee, And I get phone calls and emails from people in the UK, from people in Australia to say, hey, how did you do that? We would like to build up our task force. And so when your reputation is out there and you're not doing it because you have to, you're doing it because you get to. You're doing it because you want to. So I Mm -hmm. think um, some of the other steps are, you know, social media is such a great thing. It wasn't around as much 20 years ago. Um, when I was moving up, you know, the ladder, but now with social media, you know, I have about 5,000 followers and connections and what I try to do, of course, I post things about myself from time to time. Who doesn't? But I try to post things about other people. You know, when you're at a cocktail party, yes, you want to be interesting, but you also need to show other people you're interested in them. You know, they don't want to hear you talk, talk, talk about yourself all day. They want to see that you remembered their partner, their spouse, their dog's name, something about them. And when you walk up to a group and you're like, oh, so-and-so, I'd love to introduce you to, right? And you introduce them to somebody. And now you've made another connection. You didn't make it about you. You made it about them. And I think that definitely pays um, dividend. So as you're looking to build your influence, how are you connecting people? How are you making it about them? And knowing that it will pay returns, it'll pay dividends down the road. You just don't know when, and you don't know under what circumstance you may need those contacts. So always be building those contacts, always be using that influence to, um, have credibility for, for down the road if and when you need something. And, 
it couldn't be more true for me because now I'm in a business development um, engagement strategic leadership role where now I can reach out to people who I've met 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and say, hey, by the way, here's what I'm doing at Gallagher Bassett now. Is this something that's of interest to you? How can my team help you in a new capacity and start exploring things together? You know, going into a quote-unquote sales presentation is not the time you want to first start be building that relationship because then you may as well just be cold calling on people. This is a relationship business. People buy from people they know, like, and trust. Know, like, and trust. Absolutely. And everything you're saying now really is in alignment, and I know you know this with um, the book I just wrote, Advancing Through Influence, in that first female strength that I like to talk about that is the most important that women have, and that's the strength of giving. And you have really perfected that ability of giving in terms of creating the kind of connection or no like trust situation that, that you need to build such an extended network, which really became apparent to me during my book launch because in becoming an Amazon bestseller, you were a real integral part of that to me. And I wondered if you would talk about you have this extended network that will mobilize and your calls to action or you're asking them to do something or sharing something very obviously carries weight with a lot of people. It's back to what you were just saying with they tell 10 friends and they tell 10 friends. And just to share with the listeners, Karen bought a lot of my books for friends of hers and, and, and clients and stuff. And I so appreciate that. But from her perspective, it was I'm not buying really that many because my philosophy is I'm going to buy some but I can do such a bigger job for you if I can get other people then to buy several copies and other people to get interested in you. And so it's the philosophy that you were just sharing. What do you think is that substance or gift that you have that gets people to mobilize when you share with them or ask them to do something? Congratulations. First of all, <laughs> I'm so, Thank you. so proud, so proud of you being a bestseller. That's amazing. And and for those who are like, yes, I'm going to do this one of these days. One of these days became, you know, probably for you, two years, three years. It was a labor of love, and it was so worth it. So congratulations, and I'm very Thanks, excited Karen. for you. So um, I, I think I think to that question, you know, when you build your network and um, especially, you know, as, as a female, there are, there are a couple of, of different kind of reactions, right? And some women put the ladder down and, and they, they are willing to extend the ladder down so that other women can climb up and move up the ranks because, and which is my philosophy, it's a world of abundance, not a world of scarcity. If you have the attitude, well, if Lacey has it, I can't have it, then I'm not going to help Lacey because it's not going to help me versus the attitude which I share and a lot of people with whom I network share. It's a world of abundance. If I help Lacey and she can get to her goal, then we've all accomplished a goal together and I get to be part of her success. So when it came to the book, 
I wanted to um, get some copies for friends and colleagues and clients, as you said. But I also know other people who they do um, workshops and they meet with other women. So you know what? Why don't you go ahead and, and pick up a few copies and give it to the people who are attending your workshop? Because I don't know who they are, but they're looking for knowledge. They're looking for something of value from you for instructing this workshop. So pick up some copies and use it. I mean, what I try to do with the recommendation is be selective in what I'm recommending and then tell them the why. What's the why? Why should they purchase the book? What's in it for them? We all heard the expression, with them. What's in it for me? And if you can show somebody and demonstrate, here's something that's of interest. It's worth your time. It's got my personal recommendation then I think they will go ahead and act. And then it's much more influential when they then post, and Lacey has seen these, they then post, oh, my God, thank you for this book, Karen. It was a great idea. We gave it out at this event, right? I didn't have to post that. I wasn't even at the event. And so (laughs) now I've got more personal branding, right, that I was a good connector. I paid it forward, and they continue to cast the word out. And then somebody else was like, well, I wasn't at that event, so I hashtag them with the name of Lacey's book. Let them go on Amazon. Let them buy their own copy. And so I think that's kind of where it goes, where people respect that. And you're not, you're not you know, forcing it on them. You're giving them the choice. And then when you say, I'm in it with you, they respect that even more. Right. Right. So it's respect. And then you said something really key, and that's about being selective. So I think that's a really important point to influence uh, because it's easy to have good intentions to put a lot out there. Um, maybe even sometimes for uh, people who maybe haven't proven themselves. And I think what I'm hearing you say is that you do this with people you have a well-established relationship with and you know they're worth investing in, am I understanding you right? Correct, because then they, if they have credibility to me and they have a good reputation, then I'm willing to put my brand, you know, behind their brand because we're mm-hmm. all a reflection, you know, on each other. And, and if you make a bad choice in that regard, um, it's very difficult to take those things off of social media or to undo them. And it's not that we haven't all made a mistake here and there. We certainly have. I know I have as well. But, you know, you, you, when you're more selective and you're more deliberate about it, I think that really helps. Yeah, and when it's absolutely. Genuine, you know, people can tell if it's genuine. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely integral to find that absolute genuine spot in your heart um, to come from. I always tell women if they need relationships now, they're starting too late. And you touched on this. Um, I try to get my coaching clients in the mindset of making influence a, a lifelong, a career habit, a lifelong habit that is a way of operating that is, as I'm listening to you, I, I know you, so I already know this, but it's really clear that this is the way you operate in the world. It's, it's not something you decide to do. It's, it's who you are. How long do you think it took you to become this kind of a person? Like, did you have to turn over a new leaf or did something just click? And, and how long did it take to you, for you to become this person other than 
as long as you've been alive. I mean, <laughs> what what was that turning point for you, do you think? Um, you know what? I think the turning point, is, it's a real good question. I think I've had an innate ability to build relationships and to be a social person, to connect people with each other, to be an influencer, you know, through, throughout my career. Like I said, whether it was in private practice as an attorney, doing claims, working with mediations, doing large loss reviews. All, all those kind of things. Because so you're trying to get people to your perspective and you're realizing you have to compromise in order to get, you know, something to be resolved. And when you're standing at boot duty, shaking hands and kissing babies and giving out your swag and it's just going into somebody's backpack and you never know if you'll see them again. That's not relationship building per se, right? It's then mm-hmm. following up, talking to them, making sure they got home okay. You just, whatever, whatever little things you can do here and there. I think the turning point for me was when I, when I decided, when my dad passed away and I left, um, I left Carl Warren and I stayed in touch, you know, with, with many of the people there, including the people who took over and, um, and the person who became CEO after I left. And I'll actually be talking to him this weekend. But, um, I think for me, that was one of the turning points because then I realized I had this entire great network that I had built up and I never really turned and asked them for something. So I was trying to figure out what did I want to do next? You know, how could I spend more time with my mom? How could I have an overall healthier, you know, life and attitude about things? And, um, you know, I gained a lot of weight at that point. Um, and so I created a personal board of directors and I reached out to some people in my network and I said, look, you know, it's hard to look yourself in the mirror uh, and be self-critical. I'd like your input. And it was amazing how many people stepped up and said, yes, here's where I think you should go next. Here's what I think your strengths are. Here's what some things are that you could improve upon in your next role. And just have real great, honest discussions. And that was an amazing gift back from that part of my network. And then... Um, you know, when, when I eventually came over here to Gallagher-Bassett, you know, about four years ago, it was a matter of then people being excited about the new role, people saying, oh, my God, that's perfect for you. How can I help you succeed in that? Again, because they wanted to and because now all those years of being a positive influence on them and being influential with others gave them a chance to give back. And I think that's one of the things that sometimes as leaders and as women, we don't always open ourselves up. The biggest gift we can give to people is letting them feel like they're helping us and assisting us in being successful as well. So um, to me, that was a big turning point. And I've gone back to people who I've known for 20, 25 years and um, said, hey, you know, would you be willing to consider our company how can we assist you? And I've had them also come to me and say, I'd like to join Gallagher Asset. I've heard great things. You seem to be happy. And I will tell you, there's at least a half a dozen people at the company now because they said, well, you know, she found something great there. And um, I'm, I'm going to join that team, which is another great way to be a positive influence and influencer on people. And for the company, they must so appreciate that. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely, they do. And, um, you know, that's one of the reasons that my role, there's no quote-unquote job description, you know. I mean, I'm having a blast, and every day is different. And, and it's great to be trusted and to uh, help the organization grow and, and be able to be happy, especially during COVID and everybody staying connected through webinars and WebExes and go to meetings. I thought I was so cool 15 years ago using Skype and now nobody even knows how to spell it. So it's kind of funny that things change and um, you're now connecting with people in a different way. You're not standing there at the booth anymore. They can elect to pick up the phone or not. They can just hit the lead to the emails or not. And thankfully I'm able to still bring in new business and influence people on a regular basis to, to choose us. That's amazing. That's amazing. Congratulations on that. That's actually something I did not know about you before today. So it's, it's cool to be learning more about, about my friend Karen. Um, how do you think women can uh, not duplicate, but emulate what you've done with their own careers? How, how does someone follow in Karen Siebert's footsteps to become the kind of influencer that you are? Well, I don't know if they'd want to follow in my footsteps exactly. <laughs> but, um, but you know, I mean, I think I took a lot of chances, and I was willing to relocate when I was given opportunities to relocate. Um, I was willing to take on roles where there was a lot of downside. And, um, you know, taking the role of a CEO of a company that was on the verge of not being around anymore was a, was a real big deal. Um, some people were nicknaming me the turnaround queen and, um, you know, that was, that was very scary. So I, I think that as, as, you know, men or women who, who are listening to this, um, I, I think it's a matter of making sure that you are paying it forward and, Showing that you're not doing something to better yourself, right? You're doing it. You really, truly are doing it to help others and to pay it forward. And when somebody is looking for their next job and you can just be a reference for them, the odds are you're not even going to get a phone call from the people they're looking um, at to to be called for a reference because we all know we put people down as references who are going to say wonderful things about us. So it's okay to say, yeah, put me down as a reference. And if they do call, have your two or three, you know, genuine things about that person that as you're saying it, and we're we're on this webinar, but people can hear me smiling. They can hear you smiling. They know, right? And so it's the same thing when you're having these conversations and somebody says, oh, what do you think about Lacey? And I start talking about you. They can feel me being positive. Um I think the other piece is that, as you said earlier, building your connections now and being an influencer now before you need something in return is key because you have to think of it as a scorecard. You want to have enough pluses on the one side of the balance sheet so that when there is a negative, when something does go sideways, and it will, you've got enough credibility and you've done enough great, wonderful things for people that when you need a favor, they'll be there for you. And um, and then when it's high, it comes time for making a donation, maybe you say, look, you know what? I can certainly give you $500 for your charity, but how about if I get five friends to each give $200? Mm-hmm. 
Well, now you've got $1,000. So which is more valuable, right? And, and start thinking about yourself that way in terms of how can you multiply or how can you clone yourself for the greater good. Excellent points. Excellent points. Are there any pitfalls, do you think, in the effort to build your influence that you have experienced? Any, any disappointing moments that you thought, well, that's just not, that doesn't work? Yeah, I think, um, I think one way to think of it is a return on your investment. You know, so uh-huh. uh, there are times that I've gone above and beyond for certain people, and I probably should have seen earlier that there wasn't going to be a substantial return on that investment or that it was a one-way street and that, you know, maybe it felt good at that time, but that that particular person had a specific need and was going to be moving on. And that, that's a little bit disappointing, you know, but at the same time, I look past that because I have so many people who I've stayed in touch with or they've kept in touch with me for 20, 25, 30 years um, where, you know, they've now had children and it's Auntie Karen's coming to visit because Auntie Karen doesn't have her own kids, but I can put up with yours for two or three hours. Um, <laughs> so it's okay. Um, but, you know, having even having some of those um, relationships where now their kids are teenagers and they're looking for jobs. And they're like, you know, you should call Miss Karen. Because, you know, even though I've never been, and this is a real true example, it just happened, I've never been involved directly in archaeology, but I have a friend who has a kid who just graduated from college and he was looking for a gar- job in archaeology. And I said, you know, I know somebody. And I was able to, to hook them up with the head of HR. What will come of it? I have no idea. But you just never know in that Rolodex where something may be. And um, as long as, you know, as long as you don't have those hiccups too many times and you don't dwell on the folks who did, quote, unquote, you know, disappoint you and just remember 80-20 rule. I mean, you know, if, if 80% of those connections work out and they're a success and, and you like each other, that's great. You're not, you know, you're not necessarily going to woo everybody, right? You know, win others over, but that's okay. There's some people you just move on and and don't don't get hung up on it. One hundred percent, yeah. What's your number one piece of advice for women who are listening to increase their influence so they can have a strong network like what you have? Your your parting words of advice. I think my parting words and advice go back to something that you actually said um, a little bit earlier. Don't wait till you need those connections. Don't wait till you need those influencers and influential people to first start building your network and becoming an influencer yourself. It's something that it takes time, and it's a concerted effort for some it comes more natural to others. So figure out, you know, where you are on that spectrum and then um, see see who it is you think you'd like to emulate and what your goals are. And if your goals, you know, are 100% business related, then that's a different track. Mine were, were friendship and community and business. So I had a three-pronged, you know, approach 
where some of those worlds never even connect with each other, and I keep them very separate. Others, there are times they overlap like a Venn diagram. So I think for, for women listening to this, decide, you know, what are your, what are your um, boundaries, so to speak, and where are you going to um, use your influence? Are you, are you using it with family? Are you using it with friends? Are you using it with business? Are you using it with community, with your, um, whatever your religious affiliation is, whatever it might be? Because each of those circles and each of those areas to use influence, to be influential, are going to differ. And, and be careful not to get those confused. Excellent advice. Karen, you're so wise, and I so appreciate you taking the time today totally in your character to go ahead and give even more time to help others succeed. I I would even, you know, I think you're an advocate for women, but you're an advocate for other people who are trying to succeed, and I really appreciate uh, that about you. So thank you for your time today. I want to thank you for for just uh, sharing your wisdom with us. Well, thanks for having me, and I look forward to uh, getting to know some of your other listeners and to hearing more about your book and and future things that you are expounding and and putting in the world for all of us to share with as well. Awesome. Thanks, Karen. Take care, Lacey. 